blessings to you in the name of Jesus Christ. This is Pastors for Pastors, the podcast that supports and celebrates the pastors who lead and challenge and comfort us, especially in these difficult days. I'm your host, Ken Broman, folks, and this week marks three months since we began Pastors for Pastors. I want to thank you who have made Pastors for Pastors a part of your podcast listening. It's encouraging to see more and more of you joining the family. Our first episode was published the first week of June, and it was titled Pastoring in a Pandemic. A half dozen friends kindly agreed to let me interview them about how they and their congregations were coping three months into the COVID-19 pandemic that shut down their churches forced them to figure out how to offer worship without gathering in a sanctuary, offer pastoral care when you can't visit, and be a community without being able to be together. Needless to say, there was a lot of stress. The word whirlwind was used more than once. They sounded exhausted, and they weren't, for the most part, finding time to take care of themselves. Well, I asked them to talk with me again this week to check in and see how things are going six months after the order was given to cease gathering in groups and shelter at home. Here are the friends' names in the order you're going to hear them. Ernie Thompson is the senior pastor of the Westminster Presbyterian Church in Greensboro, North Carolina. Charlie Lee is the senior minister of the Starmount Presbyterian Church, also in Greensboro. Dana Fruits is pastor of First Presbyterian Church, Moxville, North Carolina. And Travis Milam is the pastor of First Presbyterian in Pilot Mountain, North Carolina. Kim Pretty is minister of Sedgefield Presbyterian in Greensboro. And John Johnson is pastor of the Bethany Presbyterian Church in Graham, North Carolina. John had scheduled a three-month sabbatical this summer, so our first episode caught him as he was beginning that time away, and this week we catch up with him as he returns. His study was focused on media and communications in today's church, which was a perfect topic for this particular time. We'll hear a bit about what he developed during his time away and what he anticipates as he returns to his congregation. For most of these pastors, summertime did offer a chance to catch their breath at least a little bit. Now that uh, you're, we're six months into the pandemic instead of three. And, it's uh, hard to believe. It is. But, uh, yeah, we. I mean, it's, you know, in some sense, we have found our rhythm in terms of worship. And so certainly learned a lot about doing online worship, um, have found some creative ways to do that. Um, I think one of our concerns is always, how do you stay creative and stay out of just getting in a rut? Um, we have found people really missing each other. And so we're trying to do anything we can to include lay folks in worship leadership. Kind of a neat piece recently with communion of just filming people you know, receiving the cup and intention and passing it to the other side of the screen and somebody else receives it. And, somebody, and so our associate pastors went around filmed probably 15 people um, just kind of taking the cup from one side and receiving it and passing it. And um, so we're just trying to think, how can we um, keep using lay folks and um, yeah. keep being creative in worship? I would say uh, we, we were able to find somewhat of a rhythm over summer. Um, which was which was nice. Uh, a lot of the initial scrambling, you know, uh, we kind of came to an end, which was good. Yeah, I think it has slowed down a little bit, and still, you know, 
something every Sunday with the technology stuff. I mean, it never goes the same way twice, Yeah. but, yeah. but yes. And in, in other ways it has settled down a little bit and you've kind of um, found the new groove, although like it's still ever changing. Beginning August 2nd, we started doing a drive-in service. We purchased an FM transmitter. Um, folks come in and they either sit in their cars or they get chairs out and they sit socially distanced from it with masks on. Um, I had, for a couple of weeks, been standing in the back of a pickup truck. Folks listening on their radios, and I've heard it comes in really clear, and I've also heard it can go pretty well into the town, pretty far into the town. So some of the folks who don't feel comfortable coming out can listen on their radios at home and are able to hear that. During COVID-19, we went to online worship. Um, we would pre-record and then we would, uh, our members would get liturgy and then they could watch the sermon and listen to music. We decided to do outdoor worship. We've got beautiful space around our uh, church and we've got a nice shaded space. We luckily had a husband and wife who are retired and know how to build benches. And so they built beautiful benches for us and we've placed those socially distanced apart and then people could come and sit on the bench bring a lawn chair they were encouraged to bring a mask uh, and for those who could not get out of their cars or were not comfortable um, they could sit in their cars and listen to it on fm radio so people could not say they could not get worship they could sit in their car and listen sit outside and luckily we had beautiful 70 something degree weather or they could go Facebook Live and connect with us on there. I got teary Sunday because I could preach and share the word and watch the Holy Spirit move uh, as as we proclaimed the good news. And yes, uh, I was very much tired of sitting in a sanctuary with myself and by myself. The, the one change for us is that we did um, the, the session agree to invest some money in our equipment in the sanctuary to enable you know, live streaming and all these kinds of things when, when we were ready. And so we were able to get that installed. And so now we're in kind of a second phase where in the beginning we were scrambling, you know, how do we get worship out there in any form? Now um, we have moved to, we've moved back into the sanctuary with smaller groups and we're basically trying to learn how do we use all that equipment? Um, how do we get it to look right and sound right and, um, so that we, we're still pre-recording, um, so that gives us some margin for er error, um, and it allows us to, you know, go back and edit something if it doesn't look right or we want to add something to it. Um, but basically, that's, we're, we're in that phase where we're really, just, we're trying to learn the cameras, learn the capabilities. The biggest thing we're learning um, is all the technical aspects of of sound, and in particular, in our our sanctuary, uh, the issue of lighting is, um, is, is just a big issue. And we, uh, it, we actually had some people there yesterday helping us through it. And they were talking about all the different churches that they have worked with. Um, and they're just not built, you know, they're, they're built to be in the space so that it doesn't matter. But when you're trying to record something in the space, it changes all the dynamics of it. Um, and so we're trying to figure out what what can we do? You know, we don't want to turn it into a television studio, um, you know, permanently. What, you know, right now we're, we have some lights and some temporary things um, and that's okay for now, but we're 
saying, you know, what can we do long term to improve it, but not also be so obtrusive and distracting? Uh, we're working hard and we've got a good kind of team of folks who are just looking and, and of course we'll steal any good idea anywhere we can find one. So we're, we're watching other churches and trying to see um, kind of what can we do to add a little bit of a surprise. I, I, I read a book a while back, you may know this, called The Power of Moments that just talk about moments of surprise, moments of delight, moments of insight, what makes something memorable. So we're just trying to think, you know, can we just add a little element of surprise? Um, can we do something that's a little bit different? Some Sundays we do that better than others, but we're we're trying to at least be intentional about what's different. We've, we've done a fair amount of um, Zoom conversations with church members to kind of reflect on the theme of the Sunday. And that's also been a good, a good feature to... Um, just to add, again, a little bit more conversational element um, into the worship service. One thing that I, that I worked on and developed is an interactive digital bulletin. It's a PDF file, and a hymn comes up. You're singing a hymn. You just tap on the hymn title, and it comes up on your screen. Scripture, same thing. You tap on the scripture, and the scripture comes up. If I'm in the sanctuary and have the service on the screen, and I'm have a, a graphic or something that I'm using along with my sermon, that'll, there'll be a link to that as well. I, I started out just live streaming, and then I changed that to meeting with my music leaders on Zoom and live streaming that, then opening up Zoom for anyone in the church who wanted to gather 15 minutes before the live stream would begin, and we could kind of have an online fellowship time, yeah. and they would stick around afterward, and um, we'd have a passing of the peace where we just did the praying hands and kind of mm -hmm. bowing towards one another. Um, and so that's been good to be able to connect with some that way online. And, and so that's been pretty much how we've been doing it. Um, and then our denomination, PCUSA, had the Staycation Bible School. Right. How did that go? All really, really well. Um, it gave us some encouragement for starting this. We take a break from Sunday school over the summer. Mm -hmm. So seeing how Staycation Bible School went gave me and um, our leaders in Christian Ed, I think, some encouragement with having Sunday school start online. We So, the, so our session has, uh, we wrestled with this in, at our last meeting, we kind of reaffirm this idea of we feel like we need to pay attention to the, you know, the governor's guidelines as they keep coming out. That's a difficult thing because, as I said in my, I, I wrote a newsletter article this week for the congregation, and to say when, when you, when we've got such a variety of responses, both from congreg other congregations and from other individuals, uh, it's hard. I mean, some folks get it, and some folks are like. You know, this other church has been back for forever. You know, they've, they've been doing stuff since May. Why, why aren't we doing that? Um, so it was important for us to kind of keep checking in and seeing where, where everybody was. So we basically said we really do want to continue to stay with what those guidelines are. But I think what we are going to do, though, is what you're saying of more engagement, more connection. We'll maintain virtual connection because so many folks just don't feel comfortable yet, but we will also begin to grow our in-person uh, stuff. 
what I want to be prepared. And so we'll talk about different options. We may have an option A and an option B, depending on how our state has, um, ha- how we've continued to be infected by COVID. We luckily have a, a big enough sanctuary that we could comfortably seat the regular 50 or 60 people that come um, spread out because we could seat 300. So everyone could have their own pews and own space. Um, some of the issues comes along with cleaning it. What does cleaning look like on a Sunday after that for churches who um, we clean our own church? And so what does that look like? Uh, so that will be our biggest um, thing is to make sure um, that we can sit separately and then clean it so that the next times I imagine we'll have to come inside. I'm just prolonging it as long as possible. And if the numbers, if we continue to do well, then then I, that would be a possibility. If the numbers go um, really off out of whack because of COVID and because of the flu, um, we may have to go back to online worship. And luckily, uh, our congregation is comfortable with that. But it, what's wonderful is we created an outdoor space that we didn't have. And I I told our congregation on Sunday that it made me sad that it took a COVID-19 to to uh, ask us to use all the resources in which we have to worship. We, there's no reason we could not have ever worshiped outside in this space before this. Um, so it's been wonderful to use our imagination in that way. Now that it is six months into really not being able to have much person-to-person uh, interaction with very many people. What's what's the pastoral care aspects of ministry like these days? It's harder. I mean, we're obviously doing a lot by phone call. Um, we occasionally, like for a funeral, we'll do face-to-face contact, and we're beginning to be a little more open to meeting people for coffee outdoors um, when we can. I, I have found more kind of one of the biggest struggles is how much you miss the 30-second interactions with church members before and after worship and just the chance to lay eyes on them and ask how they're doing and hear just the brief reply. And then how much you kind of uncover with just that little brief touch on Sunday morning that you can follow up with. But if you don't see folks, you just miss a lot of that. And and I think it's wearing on the community, too, where they just, you know, we need to continue to have some, you know, we've tried to engage some of these kind of hard conversations about racial justice, and it's harder to do that when you're doing it on Zoom. You're not seeing each other. You're not kind of nurturing the relationships that then allow you to have the hard conversations. Yeah. We're actually getting ready, to get, get, getting ready to buy a big tent, a 40 by 60 tent. That's partly for our youth programming. Zoom is not working for youth. And so we have felt like to keep youth, we've got to have some f- space where they can spread out and be outdoors. But um, but I, I I think we're going to try to use it for whatever else we can to just yeah. try to create some outdoor gathering space where maybe we can at least have something closer to being in person. I have called people. I do texting Pastoral care is not necessarily what I would like it to be. I still would like to get some visits in. But um, the session just recently said, you can't do it all. We're going to split this between the nine of us. And we're going to start calling people once a week, which took a huge load off of me. I have taken on a ministry of every birthday in the month. I write a handwrite a birthday note and send that out. 
So we've got some good things going with pastoral care, especially the session stepping in and, and saying, we'll, we'll take off some of this load off of you. Lots of phone calls, uh, things like that, um, you know, reaching out to people. I, I, I just try to make that a, a, a part of each week um, is calling folks to say, hey, um, we've got a wonderful uh, lay group of a, of a caring, you know, caring group that, that also keeps up with people and, and makes calls. Um, you know, we still have people that are just feel isolated and disconnected. Um, so we are, we're trying to think about ways that we can, um, you know, we've, we've batted around ideas of, of doing sort of we parades. Phone calls. <laughs> yeah. We have a, a lady who just recently fell and broke a hip and she's in a rehab facility. And I asked Rick, I asked Rick about her the other day or this morning. And he said, well, we got to see her through the window. And then there's the frustration with her husband not being able to get in to see her. So, yeah, there's there's uh, an added level of pastoral care that's going to be needed. Yeah, that's really different for me. Um, I'm not making visits. I don't feel com- I would ugh, I don't feel comfortable doing that. The thought that I could be asymptomatic and, you know, visiting shut-ins and whatever. But I am anxious for a little bit of cooler weather and and folks that are willing to sit outside on the porch or, Mm. you know, that sort of thing. So, So pastoral care has mostly been phone calls. Thankfully, these pastors at least have found that the financial giving of their members has been pretty good so far this year. We've been doing fairly well. We're right on our budget. The, the folks have still been giving, even though they haven't uh, been able to meet. Uh, so in that area, we, we've done really well, I think. So far, so far, okay. Um, we, we have checked in with the congregation with a, um, a survey as well this week and kind of asking them that of, of, you know, what they anticipated of being able to to support the church. And so far, um, we've gotten uh, mostly positive responses of being people uh, be feeling like they could continue where they are um, and uh, just pledge income and those kinds of things is, is keeping track. We've even over the summer though we've done um, uh, these events where uh, these drive-throughs or collections or food donations and uh, like uh, a couple weeks ago we did sort of a big uh, kind of let's make up our pennies for hunger um, you know collection because we always did that every month and so I mean we we raised twenty five hundred dollars. Um, doing that. And, and, you know, it, part, and part of that's just, you know, people's passion for mission. So, so it's nice in that maybe what's happening as a part of this is some of those silos that often develop in, in churches or organizations where, you know, the events don't always tie together or the mission and ministry doesn't all tie together. Um, out of necessity, we, we maybe are doing that a little better um, where folks are getting a little bit of all those things uh, out of the t- out of the times that we gather. So, so financially, we have uh, people have greatly been faithful to their pledges. What we will lose out on will be loose plate offering and uh, building usage. Um, so, we will take a little bit uh, of a hit there. We did participate in the PPP loan, so we did do that for our preschool family or preschool. I, I think we're okay. I I, I know we're not. Uh, we got a little bit of money in there with the PPE PPP program. We got a little bit, which has helped. Um, we're always 
always behind in summertime, so that's nothing unusual. We've got a little bit of money in the bank, not a whole lot, but we're we're okay. People are, you know, really being faithful to mail in their pledges. We don't even have an online option, which I've tried to get them to to look at. Without in-person worship and other churches, maybe Presbyterian, maybe not, having more in-person services that some churches or pastors are starting to feel some pushback. We're getting some, we're not getting a lot of pushback from people who want to meet indoors yet. We're getting more pushback from folks who want to have outdoor gatherings. And we are going to experiment. We're having four small Vesper services outdoors in September. And if those sell out, we're doing reservation only, just so we're doing 25 people each for four, you know, that we'll plan more. Um, if there's an interest in that, we're doing a drive-in blessing service. So we're having our children and youth just drive in, stay in their cars. We'll do a blessing. We'll kind of pass out materials for the coming year. So we're experimenting. And if there's interest, we'll plan more outdoors. I think we said Sunday morning, we'll continue to be online, but we'll supplement that with some outdoor gatherings. So, but we have heard other churches are doing more outdoor services and, and a little bit of fears. You may lose people if you don't offer an outdoor option for folks here too. And of course, other folks just say online is working great for me. Uh, I'll be I'll be eager to get back when we can, but I don't want to get back until it's safe to do that. I think one of the big challenges is to is dealing with the uh, impatience of the congregation uh, wanting to get back to in person. You know, I met with Rick Purcell this morning, and he was he does the service from the sanctuary. And he's had people just, you know, stop by <laughs> and wander in, you know, and, and you know, what are you going to say? No, you can't come in. Uh, you can't say that. You know, I had a, a, a lady, he was telling me about an older member, and she just showed up on Sunday morning. And, you know, the people are spread out, and, and it's fine. And I'm hoping when we get into phase three that we'll be able to, you know, think of seriously about going back to in-person worship maybe in October. Uh, I think we're going to do outdoor worship on my first Sunday back so we can, it can be in person. Yeah, it's selfish, but I, I want to see the congregation in person, you know, and and maybe they want to see me. I don't know. But. Yeah, and that's been an interesting little journey in that when session met back in June, I have a 12-member session, and about four of them were no longer comfortable with us still being closed. And I thought, oh boy, okay, mm-hmm. <laughs> here we go. But then we spiked, even in our little county, mm-hmm. you know, through July. And so when we met the third Monday in July, we were unanimous again that we needed to remain closed. And then we met in August, and again, they were all of the same mind that as long as we're in phase two, we would not open the sanctuary. But that day of the August session meeting, I got two emails from members, um, and they were getting restless. And one just kind of made me mad because he said something about the perceived inaction of the session. and, And I'm like, you are totally clueless to what <laughs> session has been doing. But I, I realize it's the, the grieving and their loss of community and worshiping together. And, and I get it. You know, we're going to see what happens on September 11th and possibly have worship in the church on the 13th. 
we have have decided that we will continue with the live stream and I think that's really important um, there are people I don't want showing up because of their health and um, I just I think continuing that live stream is a very important piece how do you picture doing the stewardship campaign this fall I've heard a lot of ministers say I just I have no idea how to do this yeah we're continuing to think it's going to be a tough year for us um, just because we know it's looking like a tough year for our members. And so we're um, planning for three scenarios, each of which is a reduction of uh, income. We have made some staff adjustments and those were some hard decisions to make, but we um, felt like we wanted to make some changes now while we could do longer severance packages, while we could give longer notice and not wait until we were kind of forced into it. Uh, we have actually worked with the Presbyterian Foundation some, and, they, and they've been very helpful in just kind of helping us think through what that might look like. Uh, we're going to do a little more targeted campaign than we would typically do, kind of reaching out to different groups within the church. Um, We'll still do some town hall meetings. They'll just be virtual again. Um, we'll we'll do some print things to tell a lot of stories. I mean, most of we're just going to tell a lot of stories. So we're going to you know have a print that tells stories about how we've continued to be. I think this year is responsibly faithful. You know, how have we been faithful to our mission in the midst of the uh, pandemic, both as individual church members and as a church, and um, yeah. ways in which the church is more important now than ever. It's going to be more important than ever for us this year to make very clear um, here is how the church is living out its mission. Here, here's how we're, you know, um, carrying forth the ministries that we feel like God has called us to. It's only going to ramp up the importance of, well, so why, so why should we continue to support? I mean, the videos are nice. We hadn't seen you in eight months or two, however, you know, so how should we support that? Uh, or, you know, why should we support that? Stewardship, you know, at first I kind of got upset a little bit about thinking about how am I going to talk when we can't share missions moments and that sort of thing. But I think I've come up with an idea that every person might get visited this year, which will actually give it a more personal touch. So I think we're going to um, do some fun with a video camera and delivering uh, each person their own uh, card as we have handed them out. But I think it may give us some opportunities to talk about really what does giving mean, um, especially in light of, you know, some folks are having time now to maybe talk one-on-one -on -one with some folks. Um, what does it mean to support a church in which a building you don't walk in and see that we have to pay the power lights? And so I think I, I, I'm actually now getting a little more excited. I think I'm going to take, um, cards and a camera and we'll go visit every single person. <laughs> you know, the struggle I think for all of us is not just with stewardship, but um, is the idea of how do you, how do, how do people understand their connection to a community when that community or that connection is not reinforced week in, week out with, with physical attendance. But the longer this goes, the, the, the more, you know, folks who might not have all those connections will feel less and less a part 
um, or, or anchored, I guess, in that space. I was listening to a podcast a week or so ago, and there were a couple of points that uh, the the host made. The first one was that the number of people who really are kind of getting into this uh, online thing where, you know, you can sit down in your in your pajamas or your running clothes and participate whatever that might mean in a service and turn it off when it's over and go about your day whereas a, an hour worship service in person takes you an hour to get ready travel time you know it's a three-hour thing rather right. than a 45 minute thing and some people are kind of liking that yeah, and we're already talking some, how does this change when we do get back together, as well as people in the sanctuary, and that we want it to be a positive experience for both congregations, the at-home congregation and the, in the sanctuary congregation. And I don't think we can go back to what we were doing and make it as good of an experience. So we're we're assuming it's going to be a hybrid worship service for a good while now. If not, Again, like many churches, we find it's opened up folks from you know, other places who have a connection with the congregation are watching. The other thing that I have read is that is that the pandemic has sped up changes in society and particularly in churches that were happening anyway in terms of the direction that churches need to go and the, the use of technology. I'm just curious as to your take on that. Yeah, I, we have found that true too. I mean, we were certainly realizing we needed to be moving in that direction, but that's We've sped up. That's been one of our staff changes was not just cost savings, but realignment. So we've just knew we needed support in technology, worship communications, and know that the communications, the website is the way people find the church. That's the way they check out the church. And if that doesn't look good, they're not going to come. Website, social media communications is the, the new front door. Yeah, I think I think virtual worship will be a mainstay um, of pretty much every congregation. We'll, we'll have virtual congregants, you know, from here on out. That maybe maybe we see them every once in a while, but and and they worship with us virtually. And, and it could, you know, it's possible that we could get people that never step foot in the in the building, but they feel a part of the community and and like to worship with us online as well. Yes, I anticipate that the live stream will continue past this. Um, which um, modifies our worship service. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I don't mean to go down the route of production, but, mm-hmm. you know, we can't have those dead spaces of people moving from the back pew to the front of the church if they're reading the scripture lesson. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, you know, we've already talked about that in our worship and music ministry team that we're going to have to modify. People are going to have to be getting into place the the thing before they're doing. Um, we, we did purchase a new camera. And then I'm trying to figure up a setup like what we had at Salem Presbytery for meetings where it could be Zoom and live. So, you know, right now there have been no in-person meetings or classes or anything. And just like with the live streaming, I think it's important to keep that Zoom element for those that aren't comfortable or shouldn't be out yet. So right. trying to figure out how we can do that as well. Well, and, and I even think the, the the functioning of the church, I mean, all our committee meetings have been Zoom. I don't see that going away once people can meet. Uh, I mean, I think it'll be a mix of, of all those things, um, of in-person 
in-person uh, touch points and virtual touch points. So with you know, like like I said, I'm bringing a new staff member on who's going to um, work with our faith formation Christian education ministries. You know that again, that was something we always sort of talked about before. Was hey, would a uh, you know some kind of virtual uh, connection be helpful for people that work or parents that you know they have to they need to do something after the kids are in bed and all, you know some things like that. Um, but that'll be a part of what we do from here on out. I mean, pastors bridge ancient texts to modern interpretation. And so how do we also bridge um, what we did before, what we did during into how we can go into the future? Um, What will church mean and look like? And I think we have an opportunity to create church, invite people to participate who may not ever step foot in our sanctuary, but can participate in the missions work that we do. Um, Nothing to say that they have to come sit in a pew um, they can worship online, then they could go down to urban ministry and serve and they could and they could sign up for a Bible study on Zoom and maybe never step foot on our property. So that's causing us to our personnel committee to sit and think what how can we staff uh, a church like that? Ministers are storytelling people and so it will become part of our story. It will become part of our story how we carry down the faith through Zoom meetings, um, how we carried the faith through outdoor worship, how we carried our faith. So I think it'd be very much an important part of our story that we will tell our children and their children one day, um, just as those who couldn't worship in the temple anymore. Um, So very much part of our story. I think, I hope it brings to mind what is important um, to us and that it really is community to each other. Uh, and and what it means to touch each other um, physically and emotionally and spiritually. And so I think we will, um, when we can just come back, I think we'll come back hugging as hard as we can and not take for granted that. What saddens me most is probably some who will never, ever be able to come back in and didn't realize that the last time they worshiped here was their their last time in in their space. Um, That saddens me and grieves me. So I think 2021 will be a time of, um, if we can come back in, joy and grief and storytelling, um, ways in which we continued our faith and and the ministry. I mean, we, we have continued to do some of our outreach ministry. We've had to do it differently and it looks differently, but um, that will be part of our story. I am struck by the energy, intelligence, imagination, and love these pastors have for their congregations and for leading their churches through this time of wilderness journey. Not one of them is mailing it in to a person. They are modeling what it means to put faith into action. I want to thank each one again for their willingness to talk about the joys and struggles of pastoring in a pandemic. And I look forward to talking with them again three more months down the road. I also want to tell you that I am extremely excited about our next episode when I'll be talking with Jill Duffield, editor of the Presbyterian Outlook, the news magazine of the Presbyterian Church USA. We'll be discussing Jill's perspective on the present and future of the mainline denominations in the United States. So I hope you'll plan to join us for this very special program coming out on September 14th. Until then, I'm Ken Broman-Folks, and this is Pastors for Pastors. Pastors.